Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, I really appreciate y'all giving me uh, an hour and 50 minutes to preach this morning. So, ha-ha, nothing. That's <laughs> what that clock says up there. <laughs> there are some places you can go in the world that they can outlast you. You can preach for two hours and they're wondering why you're stopping. And you're like, well, my, I'm about to die. <laughs> Everybody good this morning? Is anybody awake in here? Does anybody feel sleepy? Has anybody felt foggy lately in your mind besides me? Raise your hand. I think it's uh, pollen. Good gracious. I couldn't even remember my own name, you know, a couple hours there. Like, mm. Let's raise your hand if you feel in, feel in the effects of pollen. I want to pray for you. I'm, I'm, stand up. Maybe I'm stingy. I want prayer for myself. So, Lord, thank you. Uh, we're feeling a little, a little foggy because of pollen, Lord. We're, we're thankful for, for springtime and blooming and flowers and greenery that's coming back, Lord. Help us, Lord, to adjust, Lord. And I just pray for all of us who are feeling a little, little touched by that. This morning, I just pray you'd touch us, Lord, and just uh, clear our minds and clear our hearts, clear our nasal, our, 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 uh, the natural part of us, Lord, clear that up. And, but Lord, I just pray also for those where the enemy's trying to put something on us and kind of trying to make us feel damped down. I just ask you, Lord, that you would uh, stir, Lord. There'd be just a stirring in your people. And every person in this room would feel that stirring. Every person in this room would feel that quickening in their bodies, in their minds, in their hearts, Lord. They'd feel quickened by the Holy Spirit. Just say that, Holy Ghost, come to me. Quicken me. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that who dwells in your mortal body, will give life to your mortal body. Just declare that over yourself today. Say, life in my mortal body. The life of God. The life of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And you know, now you can't go to sleep until you get home. One thing I figured out about me uh, recently, you know, uh, I've spent a long time in my life trying to get to know God. How about you? Like forty something years, man, and it's kind of like. But recently, this is really what the Holy Spirit was telling me is like: if you'll get to know yourself, you will find me. I realize uh, there's parts of me that I don't know yet, but Jesus is in those parts already, and God really wants us. He wants us to discover who we are in Him. And he wants us to pay attention to that. Am I speaking to anybody besides just me? Because you are not who you're to become. You're becoming something. You're becoming who you really are supposed to be. And God wants you and I to get to know ourselves as we are now, not who we were. And a lot of times we go through things in life, everybody does, where there's brokenness, right, in your life. And there's things that happen to you that, that uh, hinder you, uh, it, it perverts your personality. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and hinders the real you from being able to, to come forward. Uh, there's like uh, shame on people. <clears throat> people walk in shame. A lot of people walk in shame. They don't feel like they measure up because of stuff that's happened to them or stuff, stuff that's been spoken over their life. And, yeah, they feel like failures. Yeah. And, and the Lord wants to, he wants to speak to you about that. He wants to free you. Uh, from those uh, dark things. Probably most people in this room have something dark deep down in their heart that you, uh, the only person you could ever talk to, to about it would be the Lord himself. And he wants to talk to you about that. He wants to, he wants to wash that place. He wants to cleanse that place. He wants to release healing into that place to, so you can come forth and become the person that he dreamed for you to be. Um, God has a dream for everybody in this room. And no matter how old you are, in his mind, he saw you being a certain way at, that, at the, whatever the age you are now. And, but then, then there's, there's life, there's hurts, there's pain, there's disappointment, there's failure, there's, there's sin. And God wants to fix that kind of stuff in you so he can cause you to be who you're supposed to be. And so he may ask you to go on a journey with him to a journey to knowing yourself and knowing your true self and who you really are in Him and how, and how He sees you, how He feels about you and how you should begin to see yourself and feel about yourself. Am I talking to anybody in this room? If I'm not, I'm talking to me. <laughs> and I don't mind talking to me. I talk to me a lot, actually. Amen. I don't pray to me, though, because that don't work. <laughs> That's kind of a useless prayer, right? Byron, please help. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm too busy. You know, one thing I've learned about myself is, uh, you know, there's a term called systematic theology. Y'all most probably people know about that term. Uh, you know, systematic means order, uh, plan. I determined I don't really have systematic theology at all. I mean, zero. It seems like my theology is all, you know, it starts sort of somewhere besides the beginning and kind of meanders around, which I kind of like, you know. The Bible says the wind blows where it will, but you don't know where it comes from. That's talking about the, the Spirit of the Lord, and so are those who were, who, were, or who were born again who have the Spirit of God in them. So I'm not making my, any excuses uh, for my randomness this morning. Uh, I've, come to em- I've come to embrace my randomness, Okay. I really have. I, I, Becky says I'm very random. <laughs> she calls me the kingdom rand, of random. And so I've learned that. I, so I'm just telling you some things the Lord's been telling me about me, about being random. But he, he loves random. Uh, you know, if you read the Bible, you kind of get that God's a little random. In fact, I, I, if you just look out there and look at the way he plants trees, uh, it's just random. You know, we'll plant a tree. We'll plant a line, a row of trees. We'll get a string out and measure and get them all in a line. Uh, one, I did that, and one day I was looking at those trees that I had planted that you possess now, and I was looking at them, and then I was looking at the woods back there, and I was com- suddenly I was realizing God doesn't plant like I plant. He just sort of slings it out there, you know, where I'm just like, uh, you know, we plant rows in the garden. There's order, and there's good, but yeah. 
So, um, God's a scientist, okay? There wouldn't be no such thing as science without the Lord. I, I've got to stop. <laughs> I've got to stop. <laughs> but this is what he was telling me. God is a scientist. He loves science, but he's also an artist. He loves the artistic part. Uh, back when I was in the engineer world, I was an electrical engineer, and uh, like I would go to the dentist. I remember going to the dentist one time. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm an electrical engineer. He said, can you explain electricity to me? I said, no. <laughs> nobody can explain electricity to anybody because nobody really understands electricity. That's the sort of the way God is. So the best engineers were the engineers who were both, they were both scientists and artists. Those were the best because there's an art to engineering. It's just not, you know, electricity has rules that you must follow or it'll hurt you. But there's also an art part to it. And if you, if you don't have that part, then, then you're not going to be that good. And so that's the way God is. You know, we can't really explain God. You know, we really can't. And there's a he has there's certain things that that are ordered you know that God has order in but then there's this other part of God that he's very very artistic in the way he thinks and the way he does things and so I just feel like God wants us to embrace uh, that and embrace that that's in us so I'm making excuses this morning okay because I'm going to give you a message out of Matthew 25 which is the first part, I gave you uh, a message a couple of weeks ago out of Matthew 25. It was the parable of the talents, if you, if you happen to remember that. You probably don't, but I do. But it started, it, that's the middle thing in that chapter. So I started in the middle, and this morning I'm going to go back to the first part. So I, that's why I told you all this. <laughs> I did, y'all didn't get that, did you? <laughs> There is a purpose that is bigger and a plan that is greater. I don't know who wrote that, but that's really good. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this uh, thing called the, um, they call it the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Okay? And um, this is a very unusual parable. And I really have something I want to tell you in it, okay, that's really important to me. Um, but I'm not going to start with that. I've, you know, kind of try to figure out what, you know, b- brilliant people think this means. And you would not believe this is a controversial parable. There's a lot of different beliefs on it. And I, this is one thing I love about this parable. It messes with people's theology. It, it really messes with people's theology. And I love anything that messes with people's theology. I love stuff that, wreck, I love stuff that wrecks my theology. You know, because I, I get this thing is I don't know everything, and I'm I'm learning. You know, if I the day I the day I've arrived, I have just disqualified myself. And so, this this parable, you know, there's lots of different uh, thoughts about it. Most of the time, people think about it in terms of end times, because it's part of a message that Jesus gave. They call it the Olivet Discourse. It was a terrible message title. Olivet, because he did it on the Mount of Olives. Discourse, like he was having this discourse with people. Don't y'all think that's a bad title for a message? Like, I don't know that the Lord, 
I think Jesus would not be happy with that title that we have given that. I think he would like, y'all need to loosen up. Let's get rid of this discourse thing and have it something else. You know, how about olive oil? You know, so, you know, I wanted to tell you this while we were worshiping the Lord. I feel like there's a joy in heaven that God really wants here. And I feel like when we were singing about the goodness of the Lord and the faithfulness of the Lord, and is that God was really happy about that, that he was enjoying that. He really was enjoying that. It was making him happy. And I feel like that we can make God happy. You know, I think in Matthew 10 or 11, one of those where the guys, he sent the guys out, uh, and as they came back and reported to Jesus, you know, that they that the people who were healed and delivered, and it literally says that Jesus jumped up and down for joy. I mean, literally, that's what it says. He he just jumped up and down for joy. He was so happy to hear what that the, how God had used them and how the enemy had. So I think we can make God happy. You know, I really do, and I, I feel like it's important to 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 make Him happy. And I think one of the ways we can make him happy is just believing what he says, you know, and just responding to him on that based on what he's told us and written in the, in the Bible. I think it makes God happy when we believe it and, and reach out for it and start, you know, rejoicing in his goodness. Amen. Lord, help me do this message. Anyways, back to this Olivet Discourse thing. Um. It's about end times, actually, I guess. At least that's what everybody thinks it's about. And I think there's some truth in that, but I don't know. There's a lot of... Here's my point, though. I don't want to talk to you about the end times, okay? Because I don't really understand any of that stuff. I have no clue about any of that stuff. So I don't want to talk about... I want to talk about stuff that God talks to me about. Okay? That's what's important to me. Now, he does talk to people about end times, I, will, I want to hear those people talking about the end times, the people that God's talking to, not people who are sitting down trying to figure it out. That's just my thought. And these are things that God has really shown me out of this, this particular parable. So, Byron, get with it and tell them so you can finish it, okay? All right, so it begins, The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So, okay, I think I shared this a couple of weeks. When Jesus came and preached his first message, his first message was this, and this is Matthew 4, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That, and I think we all know by now, if you don't, you're going to know now. Repent means change the way you think. My question for years was, what am I supposed to be thinking? I mean, I'm thinking one way. To, I need somebody to tell me how to think because it doesn't help me to change the way I'm thinking if I don't know what I'm supposed to change to. Are y'all following that? And what I realize, the book of the, the gospel of Matthew is over and over. The kingdom of heaven is like. So he gives us all this information of, how, of, of thinking to begin to adopt. 
And quit thinking this way. Start thinking this way. Here's some information for you to start thinking. This is like, this will jumpstart you. This is like priming the pump. It'll give you something to, to develop a thought and to develop an understanding. And so he said it over and over in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. I think maybe, I can't remember, it's maybe 50 times the kingdom of heaven is light. He was trying, he was, that was part of his, here's the thing about Jesus. He started preaching and he really, everything was a message. I mean, it was just one continuous message all through the Gospels. And then people picked up his message and are carrying it on. So we're just, we're just tapping into a place in his message. Yeah, it's really amazing. So, you know, and he used a lot of parables uh, to tell people so people could see something naturally that they understood naturally to kind of get what he was saying because a lot of things spiritual don't make sense if you just describe them just on a spiritual plane. But if you explain them on a natural plane and say it's like this, and this is what it means. That's, that's what parables were all about. And, uh, you know, and there's these truths that are hidden in parables for us. He actually said, he gives, they asked him one time, why do you speak in parables? And really he said, he didn't say it so everybody understand it. He said it so only the people who's been given to can understand it. And it's, it seems opposite. We think he gave parables so we could get it. Actually, he gave parables so we wouldn't get it unless it's been given to us to get it. And so it's been given to us to get it. That's the thing we got to get. It, we're, oh, it's been given to me. That's the only qualifications you really need. Well, I'm in Christ, so I get this. Amen? So at verse 2, it says, now, there were, uh, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Okay? And those who were foolish took their lamps... Listen, and took no oil with them. That's really a powerful statement right there. They took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels and, and with their lamps. So they had oil in their lamps already loaded up, plus they had some other thing carrying oil around with them. So, you know, what the Lord was saying, that, that there's this division here that He wants us to see. And it's not a division of good or bad, righteous or not righteous. He's not saying there's these righteous five virgins and these unrighteous other virgins. He was just saying there's ten people, five of them were wise, and five of them were not wise. It had nothing to do with morality. In fact, they were all sincere. They were all waiting on the bridegroom, and they all had their oil, and they were all using their oil the way it was supposed to be used. It wasn't like there were five sinners or five bad people. But there was one difference, one real huge difference that God wants us to see is five were wise and had the oil they needed, plus they had other oil. But their five unwise ones had oil, but they didn't really have the oil they were going to need. Are y'all following that? That's, that's, the, that's really, really something here. I'm going to keep going, okay? The next thing it says, uh, it says, but while the bridegroom was delayed, that's the Lord, right? <laughs> Do y'all know God to delay stuff? 
you know. So it has something to do with being able to function what, no matter what. To be able to function with a, when the, the Lord answers your prayers and when he's not answering your prayers. To be able to, to keep going. But this is interesting. It says they all, listen, they all slumbered and slept. All of them. The, the, the wise ones were asleep. The not wise ones. So basically what we can say is sleeping here is not a bad thing. Because the wise one, if, if it was a bad thing, the wise one would know, like, we can't sleep. We've got to stay up. But because they all slept, so we can take sleeping, you know, sleeping's like the normal everyday life, right? Everybody goes to bed, you know, we got one hour less last night. Actually, I got way less. Lord, help. The one day of the year you want to really sleep, go to having a great night's sleep is the one day I didn't. I couldn't go to sleep. Somebody called me after I went to sleep. You know, just, ah, uh, just finally asleep. Like, what is this? Somebody's calling me. Why? Don't call me that time of night. I'm not answering. Then, you know, you're awake again. And then you wake up early because your body's used to waking up <laughs> at 6 o'clock. Now it's waking up at 5 o'clock. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to wake up now. Go back to sleep, <laughs> please. That's, that's what I tell myself every morning. <laughs> Uh, Lord, help me. Brain fog, go. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come, right? Anyways, mm, Lord, I cannot. I'm sorry if I'm making a mess of this, but. <laughs> Woo, Jesus, help. Um, sleeping is cultivating oil. It's developing your spiritual life, okay, in the common and everyday of life. That's what it's talking about here. And the common and every day of life is cultivating this oil. And we'll talk about oil in a minute. That's the main thing. You know, not just in special times, but all the time. In fact, if you look at Ephesians uh, 5, uh, Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit in there. And he talks about some very ordinary things in there, like the way you treat your spouse, the way you raise your children, the way you relate to your boss, the song that's in your heart. These are not like some, uh, you know, cataclysmic things. They're, they're, they're life. And that's what, what I believe this is saying. In life, no matter what's happening in your daily grind, in your daily day, there has to be this thing in you where, where you're paying attention to yourself. You're paying attention to your spiritual life. And that you're allowing yourself to grow day in and day out. And that's, I think that's what that's really trying to tell us. All right, then it says, And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. All of them. They all jumped up. Oh, he's here. Finally, thank God. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. That was, that was you know, it came on them. But the wise answered and said, no, least there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. Okay. I think this is really important. You know, Jesus uh, in John 5 told people, he was talking about John the Baptist, he said, you were, there, for a while, you, you were willing to uh, enjoy 
receive from his light. Okay? There comes a time, though, when another person's light, another person's anointing, another person's power is not going to do us any good. Are y'all following this? There's going to come a day in our life, it's the moment, and all of us have come to that day. We've all come to that moment, that stressful moment. The, the moment where we're under the gun, when something's going on and we desperately need something from God at that moment, that's the moment when nobody else can really help you. That's the moment when you've got to go inside and tap into the oil inside of you. Are y'all following that? You've got to be able to tap into what you have to be able to get through that moment. Now, when everything's going good, when you're in church on Sunday morning, you can bask, bask in, in these awesome anointings, and we should. We should do that. But if that's all you're doing, you're making a critical mistake. You're foolish. I'm just telling you right now, you're foolish. If you're not doing something to cultivate your spirituality day in and day out. You're making a terrible mistake because the day will come when you're going to need that spirituality. You're going to need the wisdom of God. You're going to need the power of God. You're going to need the insight of God, the revelation of God. That's, that's what he was saying. And so, and so what they said, no, we, we can't give it to you. We, we, this, this is, we can't give you this. This is something you have to go and get on your own. Now, it speaks, it speaks, yeah, it speaks of, of this thing, of this purchase. Go purchase it. Here, here's the thing for us. Jesus has already purchased that for us. It, it's already been paid for. You don't have to do a whole lot to get it. You have to receive it. And that's what they were saying. I can't receive I can't receive this for Tony. I, I can't. I can give Tony what I believe the Lord is saying, and hopefully that stimulates Tony and provokes Tony. But Tony's going to have to do something about it. He already has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It really is. Here's another thing about that. Oh, think about it like this. This is how I've always thought about that. We have the sunshine, we have the sun and the moon, right? The sun gives us light in the day, the moon gives us light at night. Of course, most of you know that the moon gets its light from the sun, right? What if all we had was the moon? It would be a dark world, right? That's what's wrong. I think that's, we have a dark world. I think one of the reasons the world is dark is we, there's not enough Christians getting their light from the Lord himself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it really is. So here's another thing that I've learned the hard way. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't borrow oil from yourself. In other words, you can't go back in time. There was a time in your life you may have been very on fire for the Lord, right? Passionate for the Lord. Hungry for the Lord. But then life kind of does its thing to you, right? Life kind of makes us passive. It, it really will. It kind of, and and, and if, you, if you're not careful, your passivity will become apathy about God and about spiritual things. And so all of a sudden you find yourself in this difficult moment and you're trying to tap into something 
And you don't got anything to tap into. You're starting to think back back in the day, back when God was moving and I was really on fire for God. You can't get it. You can't go back there. It, that all's gone. Are y'all following this? Because I've done that. I've gotten myself in a jam and like, oh my gosh, I was just, wow. There was a time this wouldn't even, I could have sailed right through this. Can't borrow oil from yourself from what God did in your life. In fact, this is what the Lord told me one time. If your best day spiritually is behind you, you're on your way to become a foolish virgin. You hear what I'm saying to you? I want people to hear this. If your best day spiritually was yesterday, you're on the way to becoming a foolish virgin. You, you can't go there. You just can't go there. Now, I, I, let's, let's, be, let's be graceful and let's be honest. Let's be like Jenny. I'm going to really be honest with you. Like, thank you, Jenny. We didn't want you to tell us lies. <laughs> she wasn't anyway. She was just saying what she was saying is, I'm going to tell you something out of my heart. That's when a person says that's what they mean. This is something that's really coming out of my heart. I want you to get. You know, we do go through ebbs and flows in our spiritual life. There's times where it seems like the wind of God is just propelling us. And there's times it feels like we're not being propelled. But I don't know that the Lord really wants us to, when we're not being propelled, to not stay engaged with Him. You hear what I'm saying? I think we're supposed to stay engaged. So, um, anyways, are you all right? I had to t- ask you that. So, I wanted to talk to you about the oil. Okay, I think everybody knows what the oil is, right? Does anybody know what the oil is here? It's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Somebody said Holy Ghost. Who said Holy Ghost? I love Holy Ghost, yeah. Oh, I told you all this before. I heard this black preacher one time. He said there's Holy, Go- there's Holy Spirit Christians and there's Holy Ghost Christians, and you can tell the difference. <laughs> I'm thinking, I want to get in the Holy Ghost crowd. <laughs> That's the crowd I want to be in. I've been that Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is really some awesome Presbyterianisms. <laughs> Holy Ghost is some awesome Pentecostals. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Lord. So I believe the oil represents the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And uh, it's, the, it's His oil that keeps this fire burning in us. That's the oil that I believe they're talking about here. Okay? And, and so I wanted to read a couple of scriptures because this is really what I wanted, wanted to say to you. And the reason I want to say this to you is because I feel, I feel this more strong than ever in my entire life about uh, my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I feel like it's the most important thing there is. Uh, and the Holy Spirit has really become dear to me in the past few months. I mean, real dear. And I, um, I just wanted to tell you a few things. Let me read this, John twenty twenty two. This is, you know, Jesus was, was resurrected from the dead, and he came. His disciples were afraid. They were locked. I'm telling you the story before. They were locked in a room, afraid. Because they felt like they were next. That they were going to be locked up and killed themselves. So they were scared. 
because the person they thought was the savior of the world was taken out. And at that point, they were not sure about anything. And so he comes walking through the wall. Don't you just love how he shows up? He decides, I'm not using a door. I'm walking through the wall. And he, had to, he said peace to him. He had to actually say it to him twice. If I'd have been there, he'd probably had to keep saying it like peace buyer. Come on, I'm real. I'm not just an apparition. I'm not just some spooky ghost. Because <laughs> I can imagine them feeling that at that moment. I mean, we think, oh, if you would have been there, you would have been scared too, and you would have needed him to say peace to you at least twice. At least. Because you would have been afraid. Because nobody walks through walls. But he does. And so he goes in and he eats a bite of fish with them. And then he, he gives them this amazing thing called the, what we call the Great Commission. This is John's version on it. And, and, and he was speaking to them. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. That's the Great Commission. I love that. It's my favorite Great Commission. As the Father sent me, so I sent you. Isn't that beautiful? There's just something beautiful about that. There's something amazing about that statement. I just, I just love to think about that because that's our commission. That's all of our commission. Then it says, and when he said this, listen, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. He got, I, I can imagine him getting in their face and breathing in their face. Okay? And then said, receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to this verse right here, Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God, this is beautiful. See, see, Jesus, this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus was going back to where man was originally created. This is what he was doing with his disciples. Think about it. He was going back to the garden. Man was, was formed out of, you know, man was the only thing that God didn't speak into being. Did you know that? He speaked all the parts into being, but he took his hands and, and, and put us together. He took clay and put us together with his hands. God has touched every baby there ever is in the womb. Everybody in this room, whether you believe it or not, God has had his hands on you. He's had his hands on you. Every, and that's why no child should ever be aborted. No child. Because you're aborting something that God created, even if it's messed up in the womb. It deserves to be born, even if it's going to die the moment it's born. That's just my personal theology on it. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And man stood up. Well, I was telling Jenny, I'm wondering about that. Was he a full-grown man? Have you ever thought, this is a side note, have you ever thought this thought, how sad it would be if you didn't get to have a childhood? Have you ever thought maybe they were little men, man-child? That's why I call my grandsons, y'all are man-childs. They're little men in little bodies, but they're men in there. There's a man in them boys. There's a woman in that little baby girls that run around our house. There's a woman in there. There's a man in there. I've just wondered sometimes because God loves children so much that he created, I can't prove this, neither can anyone disprove it, that he created us as children in the garden and 
a period of time came where man grew up as a man. Possibly he did, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I do too. So this is what Jesus did. You know, man, he, the Lord breathed into us in the garden. Man became a living being, started doing what God called him to do, and then you know what happened, the fall, and they lost the breath of God, basically, in the fall. And our spirits withered down. And then here's Jesus going back to this moment. I believe that's what being born again is all about. It's going back where God breathes his spirit into us. His breath. The breath of God is the spirit of God. The breath of God is the Holy Spirit. And the breath of God. And so when God breathes his spirit into a person, he breathes his very self into them. The Holy Spirit is the very self of God. It's not a, just a function of God. The Holy Spirit is not a function of God. He's, he's not this power, just a power of God. But He's actually the very heart of God. He's the very intellect of God. He's the very personality of God. He's the personality. He's the creativity of God. He is the authority of God. He is the power of God. He's all these things. Everything that God is, the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit is the one. It's just like everything you are is on the inside of you. Your spirit is who you really are. Are y'all following this? So when you start thinking about the Holy Spirit like that, it's quit thinking about the Holy Spirit just in terms of, like I like to think about Him, manifestations of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. Some people don't like all that stuff. I sort of love it. But that is not all He is. He's God. He's the very essence of God. The Holy Spirit is. And so when I talk about having this relationship with God, it's having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I know this is not anything you haven't heard, but I'm just telling you, when you start really getting that in your heart, every day of your life, you're going to be wanting to have this communion with the Holy Spirit. Every day of your life, you're going to wake up in the morning, the first thing that's on your Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me up fresh. Because I think I leaked out some last night in my dream. And when I, that's what I ever mind when I get in the bed. Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me for the night and do something in me in the night. Work in me in the night. So when I wake up, and many times I'll, I'll, have, a, I'll have a dream from the Lord. I'll have a revelation from the Lord. But sometimes I just wake up unlike I did this morning, but <laughs> I wake up with a song in my heart. And I think about Ephesians, speaking yourself in songs and spiritual songs. It's like that's a sign of the Holy Spirit being filled. And I'm nice to Becky that day <laughs> instead of having to repent. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say to you, perhaps, let me, let me just, just read this, okay? Um, you know, the Bible talks about an anointing within us. It's talking about the Spirit of God in us. First uh, John 2, 27. I'm not going to go there, but well, it says, As for you, the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you. Okay, it's in you. That anointing. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's in there. He is the anointing. Okay, He abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as... It has taught you, you abide in him. He was just encouraging them. So, but here's what happens. Okay, 
Are y'all with me on this? Here's what happens. God breathes His Spirit into our spirit. Okay? That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, that we are a new creation in Christ. We're new in the realm of our spirit. But the realm of our soul and the realm of our body, not yet. I'm going to tell you that. If you claim that, then I'm thinking, God's got some issues. If that's the best He can do with me. You see, what has to happen, there has to be this thing, what we call, we call transforming, being transformed into the image of Christ. Christ's image being created, not in our spirit. Our spirit fully has everything. Everything that God will ever give you has already been deposited in your spirit. But not everything is working in the realm of your soul. And not everything's working in the realm of our body. Otherwise, we'd all toss our glasses in the trash can. Right? We'd throw our arthritis medicines away. We'd never go see a doctor again because we'd have the fullness of God, which we'll have when, you know, when He comes. Are y'all following that? See, your spirit is what's in touch with God. Your soul is what's in touch with yourself. And your body is what's in touch with this world out here. And so it's really important for us to see that God wants to take what's in your spirit and work it into the realm of your soul. And when it's worked into the realm of your soul, it will begin to manifest out in your personality and who you are. And you'll be able to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, the, the character of Christ, the power of God, the anointing of God, the thought, whatever, whatever God has for you to, to show. Are y'all following this? So that's what this thing that He put in us. But, but there is something else. Let me just tell you, I don't have a problem with this. Let me read this. We all know this verse very well. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So, God wants to baptize people in His Spirit. Perhaps, I just want to say this, perhaps, I don't know this for sure, but when I read that, Five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. Here's what I see. I see five foolish people. The Spirit of God has been breathed down into them. He's tucked down deep in their spirit. But He's never manifested in their life. He's never really been allowed to transform that person. He's never been allowed to, to, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in that person. And so they, they carry around this oil. But when the time comes, the oil's not helping them because it's buried down in there. And it's going to cost, there's a cost associated with what I'm talking about, about being transformed. But then there's these five wise versions. I'm just proposing this to you. These five wise versions, they not only had their oil in them, they had some more oil. And I would say to you, perhaps that other oil is they got filled, they got immersed in the Holy Spirit. And God wasn't just in them, He was on them and with them. And so when God, and they were able to do what they needed to do because they had this power resting on them. Jesus told us in Luke, He said, you know, I'm going to put you on like a glove. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you like a glove. He said, I'm going to clothe you with power. 
And that literally means like putting a glove, like a glove was put on a person. The Holy Spirit coming on a person and resting on a person. Jesus Christ, think about him on, on this earth. Jesus Christ spent 30 years walking on this earth. We get one little glimpse. Don't you know I need to be about my father's business? That's the only thing. And as far as we know, he never did nothing. As far as a miracle or a healing. And I have a suspicion he didn't. Because he wanted to grow up like every eight-year-old boy. When your eight-year-old son or grandson is having trouble, it's like, well, Jesus was an eight-year-old boy one time. He knows what it's like to be an eight-year-old boy. He knows what it's like to be a 20-year-old boy, 21-year-old man. He may not say, well, I was a woman, but, you know, he can say I was still 21. You know, you can can kind of bridge that. So he didn't do a thing until he he was baptized in water, and it says the Spirit of the Lord came down on Jesus. That's what it says. The Spirit as, as a dove and rested on him. The Spirit immersed him. And he, it says he was filled with the Spirit. That's what it says. He was filled with the Spirit and he was led out into the desert to face the devil. And he went out and, you know, you know the story. He went out and faced the devil full of the Holy Spirit and he came back, it says, he was came back in the power of the Spirit. So that if, you read, if, you, if, you look, if you go through your uh, Bible, there's a term that's used, a phrase. Uh, in fact, it says in, about pe- some people uh, like Mary, uh, the, spirit, the Spirit and the power of God came on her. That's what it says. That's a phrase, Spirit and power. Are y'all hearing me? Jesus said, it, said he went around doing good and healing all those who were afflicted by it because the spirit and power of God was on him. So I think sometimes, you know, I, for me, this, this parable, I'm asking myself, am I, are we foolish about this thing when it comes to the Holy Spirit? Are, are we foolish? I'm not talking about being Pentecostal this morning. Okay, I'm not talking about being wild this morning. Okay, I, but I am talking about what the Bible says about this person of the Holy Spirit and about what the Bible is clear on. I mean clear as a bell that you and I need the Spirit of God in us and we need the Spirit of God on us. And you cannot... Live your Christian life, and you're foolish. I believe you're foolish if you think you can have it any other way. You are making a mistake with your life because the day will come when you're going to need something more than what's in you. I've always looked at this baptism of the Holy Spirit as when I got saved, the Spirit came in me. And when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, that Spirit that was in me got released in me. It got released up into me. And things began to happen in my life. Because the Bible talks about one baptism, many feelings. Many feelings, many feelings. Are y'all all right this morning? And so, you know, I really want to, you know, encourage you not to just have an experience with the Holy Spirit, 
you know, which I think is awesome. I'm all into experience because, you know, in the Acts 1-8, he said we would become witnesses to all the world. And, and the reason we become witnesses because we had this encounter with this person. And because we had an encounter with this person, suddenly we have something that's real to give other people. Okay? That's what this baptism of the Holy Spirit is really for. That's the stated purpose right in Acts 1. It, I'm going to tell you, it's not spiritual gifts. It's not tongues. That's not the stated purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's to become a witness. It's to have an encounter with God that changes you and that you can declare something. Now, those other things like tongues and all that, I'm a big tongue speaker. Y'all know that. Okay, I love speaking in tongues. I've been speaking in tongues for over 40, 40-something years. It's been amazing, and I'm going to keep 40 more years if I last. I may even do tongues as my last words. You ever thought about your last, my last word? I'm going to pray in tongues. Like, I'm going out, y'all, bye. And pray a couple things in tongues and move on. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I just think what I want to do, you know, what I feel like God's been showing me is about a relationship with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is honored in my life and not dishonored. When I don't treat the Holy Spirit like He's an option, and I don't treat Him like He's just some explosive power, but I treat Him as God, and that I need God. I need God to fill me. I need God to touch my mind and help me to think right, help me to see right, help me to do right. If I don't have that, I can't. My fire will burn down fast. And I'll be doing, this is what I'll do. You know, you get an old uh, kerosene lamp, oil lamp type thing, you know, and you has a wick in it. That's what they had. You burn that thing and it runs out of oil. Guess what it starts using? It starts using the wick. And the wick, it starts smoking. And it stinks. And I feel like a lot of times in our Christian life, we're burning on that wick. That's what was happening with it. They were burning on the wick. And they were saying, it's going out. We're smoking up. And so as a church, we need to be, we need to be Holy Spirit people. We don't need to push that to the side and say we don't need it. We're making a huge mistake. We need Him. He's a person. He has a personality. You want the wisdom of God. You want the personality of God. You want the intellect of God. You want to be able to treat your wife right. You want to raise your kids right and be able to speak things to them when they desperately need it. I'm going to tell you, that's a desperate moment, y'all, when a child is in a mess and they can't figure out why they're in a mess. And they're, they're messed up. They're hurting. Their heart's hurting. They're confused. That's a stressful moment. That's a moment when you need that oil of the Spirit to flow in your life, to be able to help them walk through that moment. It's not just about all the stuff we've made it. And oh, I love all that stuff. And I think we should go after that stuff. But if we are not having a relationship with this person, if we're not honoring him, if we're not saying to him, we have a need of you, I have a desperate need of you in my house, in my bed when I'm laying down at night. I need you, Holy Spirit. And you think when you're going to bed, you don't need anything except sleep. You need him to sleep. And you need him to be working inside of your heart while you're sleeping. And you need wisdom from heaven to be able to deal with terrible things. 
that we're facing. And He's the wisdom. And on your job, to be able to do your job well, and where people are blessed because you're so good at your job, well, it wasn't me, it was Him. Well, good. <laughs> you know? Are y'all following this? And I believe ultimately about this parable of the wise and foolish virgins as far as practical everyday application, that's what I believe it's talking about. I believe it's talking about all believers. I don't believe the five were going to hell. I don't because they were virgins. They were believers. But they were cutting themselves off from something that they could have. They were cutting themselves off. He didn't cut them off. And so my, my really desire of my heart and my life is, Lord, I want to have this Holy Spirit relationship. I want to have a relationship with you. And I have found that the Holy Spirit is very friendship-oriented. He reaches out for friendships because Paul gave this blessing, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion, fellowship, friendship with the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. That's what you need those three things. You need grace, you need love, and you need this relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need everything the Holy Spirit has to offer. Everything. And we need to really go for it. We need to really start pursuing that with Him. So I want to encourage you, when you get up in the morning, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me up. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. When you go to bed at night, Holy Spirit, fill me. In the middle of the day, if you're facing something, Holy Spirit, fill me. Flow in me. Let those rivers that Jesus talked about, those rivers, John 7, 37, let those rivers flow out of me. Rivers of wisdom, rivers of knowledge, rivers of passion. Here's what I've learned. I'm sorry. I've watched people in church, people that don't worship. I'm like, what's wrong with them? Here's what's wrong with them. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you look in the New Testament, one of the signs of people being filled with the Holy Spirit is they praise God. That was one of the first signs when the Holy Spirit came is people were worshiping and honoring and magnifying God. And so sometimes we want to beat on people for not worshiping. They don't need a beating. They need the Holy Spirit. That's what they really need. They need to be filled. Because when you're filled, something will come out of you. It's not like you doing it. He's doing it. He's worshiping through you. He is. It's not you. It's He because He loves God. Because He is God. He loves Himself. And that's the cure to get people into worship is get them filled with the Holy Spirit. I've often said that if Jesus walked in this room doing worship, He would be the most outrageous worshiper in the room. He would offend most of us. He'd be so wild acting. Because He's just full of this passion. And that passion is the Spirit of God in Him. So the question you've got to ask yourself, Am I wise or am I foolish? Am I wise today or am I foolish today? Because it's not a one-day thing. It's an everyday thing. And so what I was talking to you about at the beginning, about getting to know yourself, it's really what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He does that. That's what He does. He's going to help you know yourself.
He's going to help you know who you really are in Christ. And he wants to set people free. So let me just pray for you. Woo, did the Lord speak to anybody in this room? I hope some I hope somebody. I hope oh oh Lord help. I read this book a few years ago, doggone it. <laughs> this guy named Claudio Friedson. Anybody ever heard of Claudio? And I just love this story he told in the book. I'll tell you this story. They had been a real revival in Argentina that was that was led by a man uh, who was a plumber or, or had a plumbing supply business or something. He was an evangelist. What was that guy's name, Larry? You know, the guy. Anacondia. Anacondia. Yeah, Carlos Anacondia. And this guy had this amazing ministry down there. Uh, people were getting saved, healed, and delivered in droves. That was like this first wave. So, but he was an evangelist. That's what he did. I mean, a powerful evangelist. He had this powerful anointing on him. This was back in the, in the 80s. But then there was this other man, uh, Friedson, who was a pastor. And he got this thing in him about the Holy Spirit. He got this hunger. Somehow God put a hunger in him to know the Holy Spirit. And he, the Holy Spirit started touching him. It was amazing. When you read it, you can read. When I was reading that book, I could just feel the Holy Spirit all over me. I mean, it was like what was on him was trying to get on me. And I was wanting it to get on me too. I even had a dream when I was reading the book where he came to me in a dream and started talking to me and telling me stuff about the Holy Spirit and telling me things to be careful about. But one of, he was at this pastor's meeting and these pastors, like all pastors, were trying to figure out the best method to do church so everybody would be happy and the church would grow, right? That's, that's what pastors do, believe it or not. And this is what he said, there is no method. There's no method. The Holy Spirit is the method. And then he said, what y'all need to do is get to know the Holy Spirit. That's what he said, get to know the Holy Spirit. And you know what? That was like the second phase of revival. Pastors getting to know the Holy Spirit. And congregations getting to know the Holy Spirit. And so, man, mm-hmm. that word, get to know the Holy Spirit, it just like has never left my heart. But there's times when I feel like I've not pursued that. But lately God has just brought it back to me to get to know the Holy Spirit. Just get to know Him, Byron, because He longs. He longs for this fellowship. He longs for this communion with us. And it's not like we've got to work up anything. All we've got to do is respond to Him. It's just like someone coming to you and wanting to be your friend and wanting to hang out with you. And you know they're awesome and you know there's somebody you'd like to hang out with. You would say, yeah, let's hang out. Let's just hang out and get to know each other. That's all you got to do. You don't have to be religious. It don't have to be weird. It can just be normal. It can be every day of your life. You can begin to have this communion with this person who is God. He's God, y'all. The Holy Spirit is God. And we've got to treat Him as God. 
We can't treat him as the, the, the second-rate God, as the God who really doesn't matter. Only the Father and Jesus matter. We can't have that attitude. We've got to respect him and honor him as God. And as God coming to us and reaching to us, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It's God. He's God trying to reach out to you and me. So when I say, Holy Spirit, fill me, I'm saying, God, fill me. Jesus, fill me. Father, fill me. Father, Trinity, fill me. Oh, yeah, that's Luis. You should have said something about college. You know more about it than I do. Only thing I'm mad about at Luis and Jim Hill because I've never gotten to meet Carlos. Nunca le, le a conocer a Carlos. You will That's the only thing they've let me down on. <laughs> not really. I did. It's awesome. He did. It's not doing us no good, right? He did. Like, he's holding all back. Let me pray for you. Yeah. Lord. Lord, help, Lord. Help. Señor, ayúdanos. Help us, Lord. We can't do this, Lord. We, we can't do this Christian thing, Lord. We don't want to do it without you, Santo. And we're sorry. Señor, lo sentimos. We're sorry if we've quenched you. Señor, lo sentimos y te cuestionamos. Cuando te lastimamos. We're just sorry. Señor, lo sentimos. Perdónanos. Let the blood of Jesus wipe all that off of us. Deja que la sangre de Cristo te limpie. Let the shame be done away with today. Que la vergüenza sea quitada de ti. And let us really begin to have a friendship with the Holy Spirit. Y comencemos a tener una amistad con el Espíritu Santo. I ask you to do that, Lord. Yo te pido que tú hagas esto, Señor. Every person in this room. Sobre cada persona que está en este cuarto. Every person in this room, wherever they are with you. En don donde se encuentren en su caminar contigo no importa como su vida se vea diaria yo oro que en sus corazones puedan oír estas palabras conoce al Espíritu Santo Él es nuestra respuesta Anything we're going to get from Jesus. Todo lo que recibamos de Jesús. Anything we're going to get from the Father. Y aún del Padre. The Holy Spirit is going to give it to us. El Espíritu Santo es el que lo revela en nuestras vidas. Holy Spirit, we need you. Espíritu Santo, te necesitamos. Fill us up. Llénanos. Baptize us. Bautízanos. Let us be wise virgins. Déjanos ser como las vírgenes sabias. Lord, I ask you that in Jesus' name. Te pido esto en el nombre de Jesús.